every part of the body is very, very important. And without the neck, the head cannot function well. Without the head, the neck cannot function at all, you know? And so we have to understand that these things uh, are very, very much uh, to be considered. And so, but this is a question. Why is it that some men think that I am the head of the family? So, because God has conferred upon me authority, I need to use it anyhow, you know? And which is something I see in some marriages, being a counselor for, for a few years myself. I see men coming in macho or women complaining bitterly about how they are being treated like second-class citizens in their own marriage. How many of you have read that book before? All right. <laughs> I would be surprised if you had not because of the course you studied. How many people have read Second Class Citizens? All right. So if you have not, you should. It's not a good thing to be treated like uh, a second class uh, person. Like, oh, as for you, you answer, some things are not for you. Uh -huh. Some honor and some respect are not for you and, and all that. And I feel that... Uh, Men should wake up to the fact that these things ought not to be. But for the woman, what you can do? Over the years also, as a woman, because nobody is perfect, I have seen some things in my husband that I did not like at all. Yeah, thank God Reverend is not here today to tackle me. Hallelujah. And likewise, there are some things that he saw in me after he said he does and he will continue to do that he didn't bargain for. And uh, one of the things I did, and you know what, if they ask me, I will say that I'm perfect, but my husband is not. Yes. So one of the things I did when I saw that they were becoming unbearable, and especially because of my temperament, because we tend to talk in, inside ourselves a lot. We are very chatty in our minds, but we don't speak out. Mm, too much. So you will see somebody who is a chronic or original talkative because of the fact that she does not talk out or speak out so much. They said she is quiet. It's not true. If only you can attach a speaker to her mind, you will be drowned in talk. You'll be like, come, is it that you don't stop talking or what? Yes. So some people have the boldness to express themselves and that's why they talk a lot some people don't they review and review whatever they want to talk about every time and they end up not saying anything at all but it doesn't mean that they don't have the worst impression about you they look at you and like hmm. that mm. it's a long conversation of what they have said about you and concluded that, mm. They won't say more than that. And if you ask them and you pester, they say, ah, no, no, nothing, no, mm, nothing at all. So one of the things I've seen had worked for me with my own man that I married is that 
I attached myself or myself to the word of God. I can't say I attached the word of God to me. So because I feel that the word of God is more powerful than me. Yes. So me that I'm weak, I have to attach myself to the more powerful thing. So I attach myself to the powerful word of God because I understand the fact that says that the word of God is powerful. It's like a two-edged sword. It divides asunder the bone and the marrow. Hey, God. I can preach a message on that. You know, I actually have, and I have a story to back. I experienced what it means to separate the bone from the marrow. Using my mom's uh, grinding, stone grinding, whatever, stone grinder. The new one that she just bought. So I got a big bone that I wanted to get the marrow. I was like, ah, the marrow inside. You know what marrow is? That thing inside bone that you suck out. Very delicious. And so I, I planted a big bone and I wanted to get the marrow. So I decided that it's my mom's grinding stone that will do the job. I put it in the middle and I try to crack the stone. By the time I eat the stone, instead of the stone cracking, instead of the bone cracking, the stone cracked into two. That is when I knew that, yes. You know when they say you have entered one chance? Yes. And she told me specifically, I said, I will pack it for you on your wedding day. That was what she told me. I said, well, <laughs> at that time, we will have been using blender. Who told you I'm going to be using uh -uh. <laughs> Amen, somebody. But that's how powerful it is. That's how hard it is to get marrow out of bone. So I keyed with that scripture. And then I took another scripture. The Bible says, even the heart of a king is in the hands of God. Said to myself, thank God my husband is not a king yet. He's not the president. He doesn't rule over the nation. He doesn't have so much in his heart you know if you have met any person in very important position you will see that they think about a whole lot of things and they don't give enough attention to minor minor things in there because there are major things to be dealt with are you understanding what i'm saying so the bible says the heart of somebody that is so busy the heart of somebody that is a father to the entire nation is in the hands of god and we turn it with that way he wants he can turn it to favor you just like he turned the heart of the king to favor esther an ordinary small girl, you understand? That is an orphan. No background, no connection, no family, whatever. No dowry, nothing. And God turned the heart of a king. A king that everybody bows to. That they had to go to the provinces to look for young girls. A king whose, wives, whose wife even has her own... Yes, she was a queen in her own right. Vashti. The Bible says, the heart of a king is in God's hand. How much more, my husband? And so, anytime I see something that I don't really like, and I don't understand, and I am not willing to live with, and I talk to him about it and maybe he doesn't understand or I don't even have the boldness to talk about it. You know, there are some things because of your temperament you cannot talk about it. Or when you start talking about it, it becomes a bigger fight. Mm. Married people will know that. If you are not married and you are having arguments like that, please don't marry that person. It's too much. It's getting too much. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> the beginning, you're supposed to be better 
in a certain way as you grow but uh -huh, you get to understand yeah no it's not going to get worse in jesus name. <laughs> but you get more understanding of each other but at the beginning you don't know each other so much so there shouldn't be so much friction and so i tell god about it so this is what i do personally that has worked for me over the years and i understood that putting uh, side by side those times that i didn't involve god in the matter that i wanted to do it by myself and my stress level the way my bp wanted to rise and the times when i just simply look at it and keep quiet and go talk to somebody who has the solution person that made him the difference was always very clear unless we do not believe that god can do what he said he would do and he has the ability to change people's minds me i cannot change anybody i can't change your mind i can only try to convince you but we serve a god that is in the business of changing you know minds it can it can reprogram you it can update your ios yes and how does it do it won't do it forcefully it will somehow just bring with my husband one of the things i've seen is that anytime i intensively pray about certain things that is really giving me concern i just always see god moving him in direction of certain people that offer the solution you know knowledge is power sometimes if you don't know better you can't do better are you understanding you can never do better than what you know so most of the time i've come to realize that people act the way we we do we act the way we do because of what we know the moment what we know upgrades and it sinks in knowledge is what you are able to absorb it's not uh what you have heard sometimes let me give you an instance many years ago i attended a program a purpose-driven sem seminar purpose-driven church i don't know if anybody have yeah there was a seminar that was held for it and so i attended and i attended it like a course like a two weeks course or so i attended all the days but i was just around the information it was like information to me it was not knowledge many years later i picked up the book again because some things were referencing it there was some there were some references to that book from other books so i had to read i was seeking for something so i had to read other books and other books before i now got to it and by the time i was reading it for the second time it became knowledge i absorbed it and it changed my life so there was a difference sometimes you can go to school and never be a true accountant until you enter the office where accounting is being practiced and you needed to do something maybe you needed to calculate the the payee for the the, the payroll for uh uh the entire maybe 200 staff and you know that you've done it in school you were there four years they were teaching you but you didn't really get it do you understand but when you now have to apply it you will get it and it will change your life and whatever you now know by the time you do it for 100 people or 50 people wherever they call on you you will be able to do it without making reference to any book because it has become a part and parcel of you so knowledge is what we have absorbed into ourselves amen somebody so you when you know something your disposition the way you 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 react to situations around you will begin to change 
Knowledge refines us. It refines us to be better people. So if you don't like the way, and I'm talking to married people now, your husband or your spouse does, you need to go back to his maker and begin to intercede for him. It is not by fighting, it is not by talking, it is by talking. <laughs> Maybe years back it would have changed. Yes. But if talking has not done it, complaining has not done it, crying has not done it, you have to pray. And let me tell you, it's a fact because I've seen it in my life and it has helped me to this point of my life. Amen. So in the earlier years of my marriage, I used to be like every other woman. I would just talk. And me, I'm even a special case because I won't even talk to him about what I have challenges about. I would just look at him and I, I feel that he should know. Have you seen such a thing before? I just felt he should know that I have need for this thing. He should be able to look around and use his intuition to know. Maybe he has a Bluetooth and I have infrared or something, but there, sh there should be, you know. But I realized after many years that he doesn't know and he doesn't care. Amen. He's not interested in knowing. Yes. Because he's busy doing many other things. In fact, sometimes when you're even trying to tell him, he says, whoa. That's the end of the conversation. And the moment he says, whoa, like, it's, for me, it's like giving me a blow on the face. Yes, now that's the way I interpreted it. It looks like, it, it looks as if somebody just punched, punched me on the nose. Bish, I'm like, you just say, mm, ah, something is paining me. And you just do, mm, ah. why? Why did you just act like that? That's very insensitive of you. Eh? Why are you using such a big word? Insensitive. What did I do? You just said something that then you're saying, you see, it has become a bigger fight. And at the end of the day, we don't even know what we are fighting about. But I live there being more emotional, more I look at him and like, who is this? Amen. So I'm very, I'm very touchy. I'm very all that. But it doesn't solve a whole lot of things. Then that one has not finished. And that one will climb on top. Hmm. There, it will be like a walking atomic bomb in the house. Then you start just getting angry over little, little things. And it will affect your health, you know. Whichever way you are, maybe the, as a man, or especially women generally, we are more sensitive, we are more in tune with our emotions. You will see that a woman that has given birth to a child literally learns to love and sacrifice just via giving birth to a child. You know what it means to truly love someone, to be able to endure pain, hardship, and all those things. Men don't go through that journey. So they, that's why the Bible commands them to love because like, they don't really get it. They have, it's a commandment. This one is not that I, a choice. Like, you are what? Commanded to love by force. Go and learn it if you don't know it. Do you get what I am saying? But because a woman automatically just, you know, we are a refined copy, you know, upgraded version. You know, what was not present in the other one? You know, when you do the new one, you put it inside. <laughs> So, 
you have to understand that and then begin to pray and intercede for your spouse because it's only God that can change the heart of a man. And it will not just badge in like a demon. Your demons will just take over and start speaking. But when the demon leaves, the person will revert back to the normal person. But when you, God takes people through a process, the change will be permanent. So pray in that regard, Lord, turn, touch the heart of my husband, touch the heart of my man, help him to know you more, deliver to him uh, the kind of knowledge that he needs to be a better person, connect him with helpers of his life, connect him with helpers of his emotions, connect him with helpers of his maturity, connect him with knowledge that he needs to be a better person. To, I used to pray that, Lord, help my husband to, to be connected with the knowledge of how to love me better. I pray that prayer because if I've married him, that means he's made for him. He's made for me. <laughs> so if he doesn't know how to love me, there's a big problem. Ah, there is a very, very, because I can't, I don't understand. I don't, I don't see how I can spend 20 years with somebody that does not even know how to love me properly. So he should be able to speak my own love language. If he's not speaking my love language, that means I've not done enough on, in my, on my part in teaching him and teaching him does not necessarily have to do with sitting down with the king and sitting down there that's how this is how this is how to do it when it comes to a man that you have submitted to because the bible commands us to submit they want you to sit down there and you have to now use the god that he submits to you you it cannot be done through you you are submitted to him you cannot control him you have to use the god that is able to control him to work and god listens to the prayer of women generally we are his latest creation and so when he comes to pampering you know when he walked into the garden of eden and he saw he said what happened he asked adam what happened because as for eve she's a baby do you understand what happened uh, is this woman that gave me the food? I said, hey. so is this woman. Uh -huh. Okay, I'm coming back to you. Let me first of all deal with that so that you will not say, uh -huh. but as for you, you will walk. Uh -huh. Do you understand what I'm saying? But as for her, it's only childbirth. And that person that tricked you will be enemy. You cannot be friends with this person again. And at childbirth, you, but you, since you cannot even correct somebody that I put in your care. <laughs> yes, so that's how. So basically, you know that you walk through. When it comes to such a thing, you walk through the person that is submitted to. And God will help you as you do so in Jesus' name. Okay, so I have another question here. Welcome, Reverend. All right. It says, during courtship or when married, how do we handle disagreement among each other? The second one, how do we handle change in the unexpected? How do we, that is, the wife or husband can just come up with new plans 
without one another. So let's treat the first one first. It says, during courtship or when married, how do we handle disagreements among each other? During courtship is different from being married. Do you understand? So when you're in courtship, you know, your disagreement should not be at, at the escalated. It should still be at the point where you are able to, you know, because at that time you're trying to please each other. You don't know so much of each other. So that when it comes to disagreement during uh, courtship, you should understand that two wrongs don't make a right. Both of you should not be shouting at each other. Uh, you understand? And somebody, sh you should listen. The, the crucial part of any disagreement is listening. If you don't listen during an argument, the argument will keep reoccurring. Or, you know, sometimes when you're arguing, the person, the other person that is not so vocal wants to talk. Then you, you, you see the person that talks more just bumping. Eh, eh. You have not allowed him or her to land and express him, himself on her, or herself. Even if you finish that conversation on a note, that uh, disagreement has not been resolved. It will still reoccur. That's one thing. The crucial part, listening. Then the second crucial part is finding a middle ground. Solution at the middle ground. So don't just argue for arguing sake. Put, make sure you reach an agreement. Why did this thing happen? What, what brought about this argument? What, what is the reason for it? Why are we arguing? What are we arguing over? Is it food? Is it sin? Sometimes in courtship, somebody wants to have sexual relations. The other person does not want to, you understand? And then there's a disagreement over every little thing. So you must, but sometimes it's like disagreement will not be based on that thing, which is the original cause, but other things because of the, you know? So you should be able to identify what really is the cause of this argument. <laughs> what really is the cause? Is it because I refuse to give you money? Or is it because I refuse to allow you to touch me? What really is the cause? What is the problem? Don't let us do hide and seek. You know, just, just, just be honest. So always leave room. Because if you don't leave room to, to identify what, what really caused that argument, it will keep reoccurring. It, you see, a relationship is not about who can argue the most. It's not about who can talk the most. It's not about who can, who is more eloquent or who can win the battle. Sometimes you see people in relationship priding themselves. Okay, you know, you know, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot win me. You cannot uh, every time. You know, it's not about that. You'll be surprised. You know, there are two. There's, there's a certain temperament that has that quality, which is uh, either the sanguine or the choleric. They boast in their ability to win battles and talk, you know, any battle that has to do with challenging each other with words. But especially for the choleric, it is a well-known fact that they, by the time they reach a certain age in marriage, their spouses endure till the children are grown. 
after they are grown, they run away. Do you understand? And at that age, you know, you, you, you cannot really say that, oh, this is now what I want. Because for, it, it takes, especially for, for uh, partners that are not so vocal, you understand that you keep learn to listen, to hear that what is it that you are really, really, what is it? Why are you having this? Why are you arguing? How do you see? Because you will be shocked that the perspective of that person is different from yours. You are arguing and going in this direction. When he or she really tells you what the matter is, you'll be shocked. Like, ah, uh -uh. how does this one and that one relate? You understand? You wouldn't have thought about it that way. It might even be something so simple that could be sorted out just like that. Amen. So during courtship and uh, um, when you have disagreement, you learn to listen. Listening will also help you to identify the kind of person you're in relationship with. And then, like Reverend was saying during the uh, service today, it is very important for you to know the temperament of who you are dealing with. It is very, very crucial in any relationship. First of all, no, God has given us expo by making everybody with one of four templates. Are you understanding? So, everybody uh, as like at least 60% of one of them, which is a primary. So you are able to understand at least how this person's thinking pattern will be to a certain or a large extent. So the way you would deal with a choleric partner is completely different. It's opposite of the way you should deal with a phlegmatic partner. The way you would deal with a sanguine partner is opposite of the way you should deal with a melancholic partner they are on opposite ends you know when i and my husband did the uh, personality test the one we took the will one of the things i they will give you the report on the will one of the things i realized was that on the on my own will i was on the left everything the 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 pointing the uh what is it called what, everything I, my information pointed me out on the left side of the wheel whilst my husband's information pointed him out on the right side of the wheel so that says something about us that we are opposites are you understanding but we are in the same wheel and so when he moves it this way and I move the wheel this way, we move forward. But we must understand, otherwise, when I move it this way, it will also move it this way, and we'll go backward. We are in the same wheel. Except one of us leave that wheel. There is no going forward. So, if we want to remain in that wheel together, we must understand. Also, if you have married somebody of the same temperament like you, that means both of you are on the same side of the wheel. Both of you must just understand that we must agree together to move this wheel like this together or we move it together like that. You can also still move forward. You are in the same wheel. Are you getting it? So it's the same way. But, so, but the understanding of who you're dealing with, a phlegmatic can marry a phlegmatic. Are you understanding? A choleric can marry a choleric. A sanguine can marry a sanguine. 
what was that? Melancholic. They, there are many melancholics that have married each other. <laughs> knowingly or knowingly? Yes. But what matters is not the temperament alone. It's the understanding of each other. Because if you say, because I'm sanguine and she's melancholic, that's why we are meant for each other. And you don't understand each other. Ah, that same differences is what will cause the most use. Like, we are not alike. We are not, that's why. We are not, we don't think the same way. No. You know? So, disagreement will arise right from that point. But if you can take the knowledge of who you are dealing with out of the matter. 50% of the disagreement is out. Yeah, 50% of the disagreement. And I mean truly, truly knowing the person. You know, recently we have been taking this personality test among the leadership of the church. And <laughs> the first one I took, the second one, and then I started asking people about their opinions of me. And lo and behold, I realized that people's opinion of me differ from my opinion of myself. Amen, amen. Amen, amen. See, the way you see you is not the way others see you. Ah, you need to ask other people. I, 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 I saw during this training, during the, the, the test, there was one particular brother amongst us that said, he was a phlegmatic brother or, you know, melancholic brother. And he said, I think that I am choleric. He just speaked what he thought he was, the way he saw himself. You understand? But when you, when you, now, when you now decide to get other people's view, that's this by the way, by, this, uh, by the way, anyway, you realize that you get a complete view of yourself and it helps you in your relationship as well. So be, be humble enough to understand who you are so that uh, uh, the disagreement in the relationship can be limited to the barest minimum. I think Reverend wants to say something. Um, let me say this with respect to this part of the question. Sorry that I came late, I had to, but this, this question and answer, like I told you last week, is very dear to my heart because I believe there are things that has to do with people's lives and destiny. Most couples, most married people have problem in their marriage, not because most of them are not spiritual, but they have not understand the compatibility issue they are solving. And I'm telling you that just like Lady P said, if you can understand your compatibility problem, even the worst marriage today, 50% of their problem will be solved. Because the day you know your enemy, you will know at least how to approach your enemy. But if you don't know your enemy, how can you plan for the enemy you don't know? And if you're in this church, Somebody meets you and asks you, what's your temperament? And you don't know. You know you don't have excuse anymore. Because all you need to do is to go to that website, right? RealGreatChapel.com personality test. And do it yourself. We don't know you. We don't want to know. Get your results. Then 
Look for somebody that you can trust, that knows you like this. Eh? And uh, let the person sit with you and be answering, do you think I am gentle? Okay, when we are running one of the tests, they ask one particular question. I say, ah, me. I'm a very gentle person. My wife said, eh? <laughs> you. I said, ah. Am I not gentle? <laughs> he said, no. You are anything but gentle. And this, I said, even Ellen Rookie, look at the way the wicked laugh is giving me. <laughs> but am I not really gentle, people? Between Lady P and I, who is more gentle? It's me. <laughs> now, do you see where the problem is? So even you now, you know me. <laughs> and you are arguing. So when, so when you see, when, do you know what, what I'm saying? Most people, ah, we are suffering in Africa. I'm telling you. Because we think that everything is devil, 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 devil. Even the devil is tired of African problem. Because we don't believe in scientific knowledge. And yet science is driving the world. This thing that I'm telling you, I think I had my understanding of my wife in recent, because we, even we've known this for a long time. But when we, because we have an independent coach that is doing it for both of us, then I began to see some things again. Now, I know what to expect before it came, before it comes. Now, and I know what to, what to do to prevent it. So they said prevention is what? So if you know that this person can do this before the person does it, and you have already shifted before the thing, don't you think there will be better peace? There will be peace. Do you understand? So, so when I give Lady Peace something now, because I've sought something in her temperament, I will not say, my action is different. I don't want to tell you, so like, this is, this is it. He said, ah, why? I said, hey, don't worry about that. No, just I think, yeah, do it this way. Do it this way. Why? Because now I have understood something about her. Even we, she herself, she, she herself may not know. So, people, I have come to tell you, please go to that site. Run the temperament test. It's free. All right? Free. free. And we are glad that we are one of the first churches that did it on our own. So, it is a good thing for us. Run the temperament test. Number two. Get somebody that knows you. Like when one of the brothers did it and said, I am choleric. Everybody say, hey. he said, and he said, ah, because I can teach. I said, ah. <laughs> Everybody in the group said, ah, oh God, you know. But because they are all enlightened. So that is number one. Number two is that then meet your chapel leader to give you a copy of Tim Laye's book, Spirit Control Temperament. Go to the, once you get your results, so if it says you are, the first one that you score is there. So if it says you are flag male, go to that book. Don't bother about the rest majorly. Read about phlegmatic, read about melancholic. Then it will then go to the chapter that talks about 12 blends of temperament. Go and read about flag male. Now, those of you who are in courtship, if I meet you, and said, um, but Paul, do you have a beloved? And he said, yes, I have a beloved. And I said, what is her temperament? And he said, you don't know. I will know that something is wrong here. You are not in this church. Why? Because 
The reason is this. The reason is that why will you go until after five years in marriage or one year in marriage they, or, or due to that people are having problems on their honeymoon day. On their honeymoon day, they are having problems because they don't even know what they want to put their hair. So you, you don't test the water whether it's... See, people think that testing in, uh, in um, courtship is about sex. Mm. Sex is not the testing. Because as for that one, you always test, uh, test, test. But the real test is to know the temperament test. Run the temperament test. If you marry sanguine, sanguine, for instance. Now, let me tell you something. The guy is sanguine, sanguine. Full sanguine, 70% sanguine. And you have married him. You want to marry him. You know that you have a man who is going to be woman rapper. If he's 70 percent he's a woman rapper man. Sangu is a woman rapper. He's there in their weakness. So he then tells you. Don't don't that is why it's called spirit controlled temperament. Spirit control temperament. So if the person is fully sanguine, you know that, okay, this man, his weakness is that because of his outward nature, you understand, you will be having a, why is this girl looking at you? Why is that girl looking at you? Or you are told, the man is calling. So it tells you the kind of wife you need to be before you marry him. You then know that, okay, he's a full sanguine. That means, and he will have problem with women. It's like prophecy. Then you yourself knows that, okay, what are the ways to stop that thing? Number one, food. So as you are going, if you don't know how to cook before marriage, what do you, whilst everybody is doing mascara, what will you then be doing? You go to catering school and start going to learn on time because there's a saying that the way to a man's heart is what? Through his belly. Do you understand what I'm saying? For instance, if both of you are choleric, choleric. The man is strong, choleric. You have married a workaholic. Listen, no. it simply means you have married someone. You are married. You are going to marry someone who will go to work 5 a.m. and come back 10 p.m. So, and you too, you are choleric. So it means that one of you have to decide. Ah, I'm going to marry a choleric. So in that relationship, you are already thinking. That means I need to instead of just going on this line of my career, let me go and learn one vocational job now. So that now, once I marry, I'm resigning. I will start my business around the house. So that both of us will not be going and be coming. Then my children's school will be around this area. So as they are coming, I can pick my children. They can stop here. Do you understand how people can plan their life? So, but today's relationship, we only do the fasting. We only do the prayer. We don't see the problem ahead. So one year, two years in marriage, you now say that my husband is calling other people. My, you, there will be signs. This is the area that is making people suffer in marriage. The, you, the people don't know. So I'm encouraging you again today, go and take that test. Let somebody that knows you also take that test. With, do you agree that I am gentle? If the person says no, if we can have two, you can go there and take it 20 times. If the result is constant, that is who you are, then go and read about it. Then it will help you. All right. Clap for Jesus. Now, the other question that somebody asked last week, I want to throw more light in, is that. Because later on, when we, when we finish, we got the question that if you have been married for some time, you have children before you got married, 
or you and uh, you didn't realize that or that um, the way the question was that you've got children but this marriage is not suitable after you have or maybe be, and the man has not really married can you go back to school and something like that that was the way the question says that if before you go to school you have had a child for somebody and then after you have gone to school you realize that you you are not compatible with the person you don't want to marry you know some people have children out of wedlock you don't want to marry the person when you come back is it compulsory you still marry the person because of you because you've had a child with the person i think now like i said if you are having currently having issues with your marriage the first thing is know your enemy know your friend let that man find a way of letting him just for the fun of it take the temperament test like i said 50 percent of the problem is solved when you know who the person is when the man takes the temperament test on his own, be there together, like play, like you're buying suya, buying something. Like, just take this thing. I want to even know you better. You understand? Then you do it together, and you are sure of the results. The next thing is go and study about him, because that thing has been scientifically proven. Then you receive the problem. Then the question, the third thing is that every marriage can work. The problem is that people are using the wrong diagnosis. If you have malaria and you are using stomach um, um, medicine. Do you realize that there is not going to, you are not going to solve it? So, so what I'm going to do is, what you need to do is to go and um, see to it that you do the diagnosis well and um, help, help um, the man get it right. So when you then study about the man and you study about this, the next thing is that find a counselor. I have been married for so, so number of years. I've been having this problem. Now I know that this is the problem of the kind of man I marry. How do I need to solve it? So find a counselor who can help you interpret that data very well and um, then go ahead of it. With respect to school, it's never too late. See that you have been, you have a child before you, you either before you get married, it's never too late to take your life back. Having a child in your days of ignorance does not mean you cannot have a better life. Rise and be a fighter. So what do you need to do? First and foremost, my advice is that make sure that your children are trained already. So you've trained them in such a way that, yes, maybe they will not disturb you. So if you have children who are still in elementary school, hold on. Once you realize that those children have been trained, you yourself, then look for the area you can train yourself and go for it. You see, I'm not saying you should dissolve the marriage, but I'm saying fight from the angle of knowledge, number one. Number two, it's never too late to make your dream come true. There is nothing called too late. All right. The only thing is that it's just going to be more difficult. I'm studying Greek, right? Throughout this year in the school I am, from January till now, I've, this is till January for one year, I've, the only subject I've been studying is Greek. I've always desired it, but it's not easy to study Greek, a, a language I don't know. But it's always been my dream to study foreign language. But you see, ask Lady P, Monday, even after Rise to Glory, 
If, in fact, if you enter that office, I can be there till evening, just standing, sitting, studying from morning till night, morning till night. It's now that I have to now go around, I would then have to leave around four so that I can go and play with my children and stuff like that. But what am I doing? And you have only one life. Don't go to your grave with an unfulfilled dream. You understand? Now, you see, this running from one man does not mean the next man will be better. What you are looking for is how can you make your dream come true? Because you see, separation actually affects the children more than it affects the parents. All right? A, a, someone, a, a child once wrote that, now my mother is old, she's telling us to take her in. But when she was young, she left the children to go and um, to say that she wants to enjoy her life. Now she's old, now none of the children wants to take her in. So me, I'm saying that you can be happy as a woman. You can be happy as a girl that you have been pregnated or you have one child does not it's not on if you have not been legally married to that man you have not been living in his house my advice is that don't let it say don't say because you have had a child that you just pack your loot inside if you feel that genuinely you are not compatible all right that you have a child for the unless you then determine that okay you don't want your child to, your children to to know two men so you are ready to endure this thing until your children are grown up then you can find that's one way that I know that most mothers, because mothers is more difficult for mothers than fathers when it comes to having one or two men outside in their life. So I would say that endure that phase. Let your children grow up. Once you see, then it's not necessarily leaving the house. It's that you can still fight for your dream. So if you want to be a pilot, if you want to be a, a, a whatever, you can fight for it. The only thing that is more difficult the older you get, more difficult, more difficult, more difficult, but you can fight for your dream. So Ed, Having child before and after is not an excuse. Fight for your dream. You understand? Because um, I would say that being a girl has been made, make people feel that being a girl is a second class thing. No. Being a girl is actually a first class thing. Because without girls, the world would be in trouble. Men think from one side, women think from two sides of the brain. To be a girl is a special thing. Don't take what the society is defining you as a girl to be. If you're a girl, you are not just a housewife material. You have a future, fight for it. You can buy property, you can build a house, you can do anything you want to do with your life. No man should stop you from achieving that, okay? That's what I want my daughters to do, and that is what I'm advising you to do. Let's welcome Lady P. Thank you, Reverend. Thank you so very much. That was uh, very good insights. Yeah. Okay. I think there's another question here that says, how do we ex treat the unexpected in relationship? Has that been treated? Okay. Uh, I think that when it comes to the unexpected in relationship, it's only unexpected if you have not talked about it. So communication bridges the gap for the unexpected to happen. Like, and because this person stated uh, unexpected, like um, just coming up with new plans without informing one another. So you can see that it's actually based on lack of communication. And if that happens, you need to first of all attack the root of the problem, not what is being done but why has he occurred which is why didn't he tell me or why didn't she tell me is it that he's not comfortable to talk to me or he thinks that i will squash the dream or it's that i would not support or 
you know, so all those questions, the, the, the thing that betted the lack of communication is what you should deal with, is the root of the matter. Because if you cut it, you just cut off the branches by saying you are dealing with that matter itself, it has not uprooted the tree. It will still grow other branches. Amen. So uh, I think that the best way to handle uh, sudden change and unexpected change in any relationship is to deal with the root of the matter, which is the lack of communication, the discomfort in communicating. How did it get or come to the point where somebody is doing something? I've seen uh, or I've heard of wives building houses uh, and their husband are not aware of it or how has been the owner or wives being the owner of the house they have rented and the husband is paying rent <laughs> without knowing that he's been paying to the wife but you know you could see that that and she's there our ah, landlord has come but the agent is always on his neck i watched uh, a family whatever that uh, they went to the counselor and the wife was like i don't know she has not he has not been eating my food and so at the end of the day it was realized that the reason the main reason why was because the husband discovered that she was a landlord he's been paying all the while and uh, they, they've been pressuring him it's like all these years all this pressure i've been paying to you and i didn't even know that you're the owner of the house so <laughs> i paid it i paid you i paid the school fees so if it's your house why you still feel the need to collect house rents and I pay the school fees and I pay, you know, the pressure, the pressure. He, he left the ring with her at the meeting and said he's no longer interested in the marriage. And, you know, but how did it get to that point where she, she, she felt the need to deceive him to that extent? It would have started somewhere. You know, they could have the best relationship, but they just have trust issues. And what better that trust is you? Maybe she has, she came from a background where the father really, really, really maltreated. She could be from a single home where they had to struggle. And she's had it ingrained in her mind that never trust a man with whatever you have. You know, it could be that. It could, it could be. So even at that meeting, instead of just dropping the ring and walking out, it's very selfish. I feel it's very selfish of the man to have done that because... That is two, two wrongs. It can never make it right. And one, one, one of the reasons why I'm saying it's selfish is not because I'm considering the woman, but I'm considering the children. You know, the children have not done anything wrong in that relationship. And if it has been brought to light that she's been doing that, you know, you could come to terms and say that, okay, since you have done this all this year, you've hurt my ego, return the money into the family account. No, no, that would test. That would be a test to show that whether she's repentant or not. So whether she's just glutonious about money, or she has trust issues, or she she's ready to repent, you will know right there and then. You find out. So, but if you're not looking for solution, you will not consider it. So saying that you are quitting it, you are you are that's it. It's not the solution to it. The unexpected can happen. But how do you deal with it? In relationship, in marriage, is getting to the root of how it happened unexpectedly. You understand? Or for instance, you, you found out that your spouse have it as a child out there somehow, you know? 
And then you are wondering that why do why why is it that you know many women walk out of relationships because of that? Uh, not to not talk of the men. If a man discovers that his wife of ten years has a twelve-year-old somewhere, you know, so it could happen like that. But you have to ask why did you feel the need to keep this away from? No, but under the law, under the law, you know, when you keep something away from somebody that could change the the decision of that person towards a contract. The contract is null and void. The marriage is null and void. That means that you've never been married to that person. It's not, it's an annulment. It's not a divorce. Annulment, it will be annulled. You know, but that's under the law. We are talking about under the grace. What happens under the grace? What happens under the grace is different from what happens under the law. And if you are a Christian, the Bible says they slap you on one cheek, you turn the other. It's not that you just walk out and say, never in your life, you know, touch me like that again, you know. That's what most people do. <laughs> or better still, slap back. Yes, but Jesus does not allow us because of the grace that we enjoy. We are not supposed to. So you have to ask. Give the person at least a benefit of doubt and ask, what happened? why did you feel the need to keep such a, an important thing away from me or you discover two years into the marriage that she she's epileptic yes no she didn't make herself that way these are unexpected things are you understanding oh you, you understand what i'm saying you could discover that she's epileptic or even you it could be you 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 also you also discover that that's it or you don't even know and then you had your first daughter. You know, those things used to skip one or two generations. She was fine. She looks fine. She's okay. Do you understand? Oh, he's okay. He looks fine. Six pack, broad chest, and all that. But you had the son, and the son started convulsing after two years. And you're like, ah, my grandfather. Those things, how many of you know that mental issues are inherited? Yeah. Mental issues are what? Mostly inherited. And so, and not all mental issues are those issues. Listen to me. Not all mental issues are those issues of people that are walking naked on the streets. There are many more mental issues than those people who are mad. Do you understand? Madness is just one of mental issues, just one. And so if eventually you come to realize, you know, and it skips generations sometimes, like two generations, and then you just find it in yourself or in somebody. These are unexpected issues that comes up. And when they come up, you ought to deal with it without having the first notion of throwing in the towel. Sincerely ask, how is it? What is it? You know, sometimes they don't even know. Sometimes they know and they're afraid. Some, you know, so all these things uh, needs to be put into. But the bottom line is communicate. Communication helps to uh, ease the burden of the unexpected. What's that? I thought we said we are not taking questions today. Is it based on what I just? <laughs> Okay, so, okay, maybe because I mentioned slap, because I said, if someone slapped me and I walk away without retaliating. 
Is it grace or not? It depends on um, why the person slapped you. <laughs> well, did you deserve the slap? <laughs> Sometimes the intensity of the slap, you can't walk. You won't be able to walk. You see, you need cold something to revive yourself, to call back your spirit from where it has gone to. So it depends on what you did to deserve this slam. But naturally, when it comes to uh, revenge, Jesus is against it, generally. So no matter how, there are some things that are more painful than a slap. How many of you have received such before? There are some mental slap and blow that it will take you years to recover from. Am I, am I preaching? There are some things that somebody very close to us will do. It's the damage, the crack does not get healed easily. You know, mental slaps, the swollenness of it does not go down easily. You know, if it's a physical slap, you even forget sometimes. But the mental ones, it takes the grace of God to forgive and for, forget. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So that's, that, that's the place of grace is that we don't seek immediate revenge it clouds our judgment and it doesn't portray us as christians yes because if an unbeliever can slap and a christian can slap better what's that yeah so i think that generally that's it does i answer that question okay is it a is it a must there's a question here that says is it a must to have a beloved before marriage. Beloved is what we call it. I see this person struggling with it. Beloved. Do you know beloved? Beloved, B-E-L-O-V-E-D. But we call it beloved. Do you understand? So it's, 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 it's important you have a beloved. Do you want to marry in your dreams? The person you are dating is who we, who we are calling beloved. It means that when the person is your beloved, everybody should know that this person, you are not shy about it again. Now you want to marry this person. You have... No! Uh-uh. See me today. Marry me too. Let me read it again. It says, is it a must that you have a beloved before marriage? No, you can't just see somebody today and marry the person today. No, you have to get to know the person. After you got into before the before you can even introduce or we can allow you to introduce somebody as your beloved or be your a beloved in church, you must have gotten the consent of the parents of that person. You must have known that person, known the parent, known the house, gone to the person's house and say, "I want to marry your daughter," or "I want to marry uh, your daughter." Yes, it's Amanda Hacks. Not, I want to marry your son, please. <laughs> I want to marry your daughter. <laughs> the, man's mother, the man's mother will just be like, ooh. <laughs> and then they will call you. They say they want to bring dowry for you. <laughs> Amen. Let's leave that aside. But generally, you must have gotten the consent of the parents of that person before you say to your pastor we i want to marry this person then the process of calling that person a beloved or a beloved is that you have started marriage counseling 
which in this month, in this church, is six months. So, if you want to marry in June, for instance, or May, you should have started your marriage counseling in this church, December. So that we will know that you are, yeah, you are serious. So, there is no immediate action when it comes to marriage. Marriage is not to be rushed. You have to understand that I love him. I love her. I want to. I should expect you soon. Okay. <laughs> Amen. Uh, there's a question here that says that how can I find a good wife? Let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. The question is in two parts. It says, how can I find a good, good wife? <laughs> Comma. Where can I find? <sighs> okay, so basically, even God said to you, whoever finds a wife has found a good thing. My brother, you will need to search. You will need to use your antenna to, to identify. And then searching is not walking on the street and looking at body shapes. Are you getting me? Because when I said you need to find, your mind has gone to, hey, now I will sit in the street corner and I will begin to search. It's not by, it's not by that. It's not by physical statistics alone. It's good to have Did you just say hook up? <laughs> oh, no. You will need laying of hands. We should recommend you for 14 days marathon. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> and it's, it's not by scrolling through your phones. Looking for a wife. The Bible says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from not men, not your family, not your friends, from the Lord. There is one person you should consider when you are searching for a wife. God. If you don't consider God, you will not obtain favor from him. And you understand what I'm saying? He obtains Favor, you should know who you are pleasing when you are searching for something. You should please God and you should make sure that our life too is pleasing to God. So when you are searching for a wife, the God factor must be very, very present. Knowing that it is from him you want to obtain favor. If you find somebody who is not a wife in the eyes of God, there is no way you will obtain favor from, for that. That union is your union. So you must consider and see that this person has the statistics that God is also pleased with. As much as I'm pleased with her. That's why it is not, you cannot say it's my body statistics. You cannot say that, oh, uh, she has to be light, she has to be curvy, she has to be all that. It's good if she also has the qualities that are pleasing to God. You're fine, you're good to go. 
But if she has just a physical attribute and the God factor is not present, you have to understand that it might be hard for you to obtain the favor that comes from the Lord along with it. Now, do you, do you get that? Ha. So when it comes to finding a wife, you have to be diligent to know what are the requirements that God has. It's like, it's like uh, bidding for a project. Depending on the company you are bidding from uh, will determine what the things that you have to list or the, the things that you have to make ready or the documents that you have to submit. Every company has their own list. Depend on the kind of woman you want to marry or where she's coming from. Depends on the engagement list you will get. Are you understand? Engagement list from Aquaibom is different from Imo. Is different from Oyo. Do you understand? You can't say eh, because eh, eh, me, I'm from Aquaibom. Now I want to marry a girl from a health state. And because this is how they do it in my side, then you take it to your father-in-law. What he, what he did not write in your list. And the things that he wrote on the list, you did not take it there. You cannot obtain favor from him. I will told his daughter from you. Do you understand? That's what, when it comes to seeking favor, you have to dance to the tune of that person you want to obtain favor from. Yeah, you have to dance to the tune of that person. So when it comes to God, I don't know, when I was younger, I didn't know uh, much about these things, but I know when I was going to get married that I wanted a man that feared God. Simple. I don't even really want much. And thank God I was not so wise then. Thank God. Yes, because I would have had other things. But I didn't have other things because I, I just wanted, and when I saw what I wanted, I decided to go for it. Do you understand? So let what you want align with what God wants. That's that. It will make your life a whole more simpler. Align what you want. I want it like this. Let it align with what God wants. He can do all things. He can take time. You can say, I want a yellow girl that is five uh, foot, four inches tall, that is covered in all the right places and fear the Lord. Prayer warrior. You'll find it too. Because it, it, you just need to look for it. Every time you see a dark girl that is curvy, you say no. Every time you see a dark girl that is straight, you say no. I want light curvy that can speak in tongues like fire. Uh -huh. That loves God. There are plenty. God will just align you with one of them. Yes. So that's how it works. All right. Is that okay? The person looking for... All right, there's another um, question here that says, well, I think we've treated this question before, but I don't think it's at this. It said, is early marriage advisable? What are the advantages and disadvantages? Yeah, early marriage is advisable. To me, I would say yes. It's good to marry early. Yeah, the Bible even says, you know, enjoy the wife of your youth. Late marriage, you know, is late. That's why it's late marriage. Early marriage is good. That's why it's early. It's good to be early than late. Let's just, let's just leave it that literal way. You know, but early and late is relative. Is relative to the person concerned. So early might be 25. Early might be 26. 
and late might be 25, late might be 26. Depends on the opportunities that God has. <laughs> it depends on the opportunities that God has brought your way and how you have managed or mismanaged them. Are you understanding what I'm saying? But I think that what this person specifically is saying is the advantages of early marriage. When you marry early, you know, at, um, uh, biologically for a woman, yeah, for a woman, but I think our time is awful. <laughs> I think biologically for a woman, <laughs> for a woman, I think the, the biological, the peak for a woman's body biologically is 26. Yeah, after 26, it starts deteriorating. Oh, yes, yeah. so the eggs, the production, the cycle is at top notch before that time. And you know, that's why I think in those days, even now, you see that a, a, a girl's body is being prepared to bear children as early as 10, 11. <laughs> <laughs> 10, yes. Any, when you see a girl that has started a menstrual circle, it's because the body is evolving from that of a girl to a woman. And you will see that at that stage also, she starts developing breasts for breastfeeding. She starts developing um, um, eggs that comes once every month. So that, you know, it's for, it's for a reason. So it means to say that a woman's, a girl's body begins to form into, into, into the positioning for childbearing from the age of an average of 12. So from 12 upward, 13, and two, that's why you see those days, 13, 14, they are married. You know, they start having children. And all the children you want to have by 26, you're done, you know? And so, but now, the case is different because you're still in school sometime at 26. Yes, and then you want to now go and serve, and then you now want to, you know, so all, the, and then the, 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 you have to work, then your father does all the work for you. You have a dowry that when you are going, your dowry goes with you so that you're able to, you're sustained, you don't have, your dowry, your maids, your servants, everybody is part of it. It goes with you. So, like, why shouldn't you be a breeding machine at a young age? Everything is well taken care of. But now that you have to run around or run after Molwe, wake up 5 a.m. to join the bus, sit in the hold up till 9 or 10, you know, all those things is not making way for that. But, you know, generally, even now, by the time you are planned for it, planning is winning, you know. One of the things that wastes our time as women is school. And the reason why is because many of us want to enter certain schools. Like I used to say, I spent like six years at home because of the fact I was waiting for jam after secondary school. I ended up going to a polytechnic eventually. I was like, eh? I got admission to last, so I said, Which, what, what, where is that? It's either OAU or UI. <laughs> where is that? Last those those days like last two i don't understand please please so they sent me the admission letter i was like no but i ended up spending like four or five more years after which i ended up going to a polytechnic because it kept 
I was passing jam, but it was a whole new story every year. So, but you know, if I had gone earlier, I would have finished much earlier. I still got married a bit early, and that's because I did part-time, and I didn't finish, finish everything like I wanted to. So I ended up marrying halfway. It was after marriage I completed. But like Reverend said, it's difficult, more difficult after marriage to complete or further your education because now the children are here, they're paying school fees, you want to pay school fees, you have to cook, you have to clean, then you have to read. So it's very, it's very much not as easy as when it's just you and what you have to focus on is. So early marriage is good though because biologically it helps your body, you don't have so many uh, complications and um, that's it. But uh, in terms of maturity, that's one of the disadvantages. You might not be matured enough mentally to, to handle marriage. You might not be prepared enough financially. And when you are not financially stable, you might be pressured to be under somebody's dictatorial. Am I, did I speak that well? Yes. Rule where he says, sit down there. Stand up. Raise up your hand and close your eyes. Knee down there. I'm the new tutor. What is wrong? It speaks to you anyhow because you don't have funds of your own. You have become a liability. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So all these things you have to con that's, Those are the pros and the cons. The advantages are good. They are there. The disadvantages. So if you are going to into early marriage, one of the advices I will give to you is get a vocation. Be financially, if you can be financially independent, you're good to go. Yeah, at an early age, you're good to go. All right, so because of our time, yeah, I see ask some questions here. I think that uh, we should still continue. Should we still continue next week? We should, I think we should end this year with questions and answers so that um, all the questions can be taken. Yeah, yeah. So thank you very much for your time. I pray that the Lord will give you the wisdom that you need to make the best decision for yourself and for others around you. In Jesus' name, put your hands together for the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. If you are happy, I want to a round of applause one more time, please. Wow, powerful, powerful, powerful. Uh, I must say I really learned a lot from many of the questions that I've been asked today. And, um, some of them really struck me um, in particular, but um, I'll keep it personal. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Um, please, um, let's bring out our offerings. Wherever we are, let's bring out our offerings. Hallelujah. Father, we give you glory. We give you honor in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the ability to give. Father, we pray for your blessings and your grace upon our life in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray, Lord, that come next week, O oh Lord, shall be a better week for us in the name of Jesus. Thank you for all you have done for us. Thank you for all you have been doing. For in Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen.
Amen. Please let the offering basket be passed around. Um, announcement um, on Tuesday, let's not forget Tuesday, our uh, midweek service and um, also Rise to Glory starting from tomorrow morning. Please let's not forget. And next week, Sunday, who can tell, who can tell me what's happening next week, Sunday? Our Intercontinental Sunday. I thought I would hear a loud shout. Our Intercontinental Sunday is coming up. ICS, 